Welcome to Better Returns, where you will learn how to escape the volatility of the stock market by passively investing in real estate like a pro. 90% of millionaires earned and maintained their wealth by investing in real estate. We will share real life examples from savvy investors so you can do the same. This show is for educational purposes only and should not be considered legal tax or investment advice. As a kid, he was into model railroading, big time. Your host and my dad, Matt Hansen. Welcome back to Better Returns, How to Invest Like a Pro. I've got one of my friends, Marshall Sykes, on the call here with us today to share some nuggets of information from his years of experience. Marshall's the president and owner of Capitano Investing Group. He's a real estate investor at heart, and he grew up in a real estate investing and new single-family home development family. He's the general partner in over 3,500 units of multifamily units and has owned many several single-family home rental properties over the last 25 years. So he's got some depth of experience to share with us today. Welcome to the show, Marshall. Matt, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on here today with you. Thank you. Well, let's. I always like to start with the origin story, kind of a little bit about your how you got started in real estate and about your personal background. It's always interesting to hear what your background is professionally and otherwise and how that relates to how successful you are in uh, real estate. Yeah, so I actually grew up in a, as we talked about, a real estate development family. My mom and my dad retired from the army mm-hmm. and he wanted to work for himself, like many people do in America, uh, kind of create your own destiny. And so he learned the building trade after he was out of the army. He was around 40 years old at that point, uh, retired from them, getting a paycheck, but so he has a little bit of time to do that, but um, so he learned the building trade. Him and my mom would build two houses at a time, pretty much. Uh-huh. And so they would, they're both builders and um, they would keep one as a rental and sell one to make, just to create more money for the next right. two, I guess. Um, so I, I, when I was a teenager, I started helping them on the job site, learning, learn the trades. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit boring for me as a teenager because I couldn't use my mind. But <laughs> but of course, I got the work done and, and, and all that. But uh, I and at night we would I would I was one of eight kids. So at night in the living room, my mom and dad would talk about the business side of the, doing the development. So I learned that even though I wasn't even thinking about it, I kind of learned, you know, hear the conversations and you yeah. learn about it. And uh, so. I, I kind of put all this in the back of my mind, went to engineering school at NC State, got my engineering degree, and then I went in the Navy as a civil engineer corps officer, where I I did construction and development uh, for, <laughs> for, the, for facilities on the bases. <laughs> Never thought I'd do that either, but that was God's plan for me in my life, I guess. And I, I thought, I'd just go in the Navy for four years, and I'll get out and have some experience. But now I really loved it. I loved the Navy. It was very challenging. You learned a lot. You grew a lot as a person. So it was just a lot of fun for me. So I ended up staying up, staying in for 25 years and retiring as a captain. But about 10 years into our, my career, my wife and I were like, uh, let's start getting real estate, uh, have building up our real estate portfolio. Because, you, you know, when you when you're later on in your life, I mean, you want to retire on your terms. And if you have some rental income. Yeah. Or other passive income besides maybe what your corporate job is going to give you or military job, you you can uh, create your own sources of income, and that's what we looked at with single family homes. So we we had around 
10 uh, rental units uh, for just single family homes. Um, and so we built that up, uh, paid some of those off. And fast forward another 15, 20 years, I decided we, we just started hearing about these multifamily syndications. Mm. And I'm like, oh my, I've always wanted to do multifamily because I did barracks in the military. We oh, yeah. developed 10,000 units in the military, right? <laughs> it was a big program in Camp Pendleton in Southern California where I was in charge of. But they're very similar to multifamily. Yeah, same thing. Same thing, except the units are different, right? They're smaller. <laughs> but uh, the amenities and all that are the same. So I always thought I'd, I want to do that, but I didn't know about syndications, right? So syndications are not really widespread. Wall Street doesn't want to know. They don't really talk about that at all, nope. right? And so I learned about those and I started investing as a limited partner, as a passive investor mm -hmm. and learned a little bit more of the lingo of, you know, the syndication model and all that. And then I decided to become a general partner. Gotcha. Where I've, as you said, I've been in over 10 deals and over uh, around 3,500 units. So it really is in your blood. You know, I know as a kid, I grew up in a drugstore in a, a retail business. And the stuff you hear at dinner every night, you, that it come, becomes part of your DNA. And like yours was real estate. You're particularly developing. Your parents are building building single family homes and rental properties and stuff. So yeah, you didn't realize you're being educated, you know, on the sly by your parents and that planted the seed that, okay, I should be owning real estate to grow my wealth, which is fabulous. Mm -hmm. that, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. My dad always talked to us about it and, and, but I didn't, you know, I didn't think I'd really go into it that quick, yeah. but you know, every one of my brothers and sisters has either rental property or Beautiful. one of them. Or one of them does like a multifamily developments, even. So <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah. You do yeah. learn a lot. Yeah. You're, it's in your subconscious that, okay, you know, this is something I should be doing. My parents are really successful at this. And this is this is why I should be doing it. That's great. So how did the military help you? I, I'm again, thank you for your 25 years of service and being at a capital capital. Um, uh, <laughs> captain yeah. level. That's yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so is there things that you took from that that you kind of applied to multifamily? Yeah, definitely. So what I did in the military, we had to learn contracting, federal contracting. So we had to become okay. experts at federal contracting, as well as experts at construction management. Oh, right. And um, the other one was the facilities management. So asset management of a facility. So the, the engineering side of it, running the public works, running the utilities mm -hmm. or just dealing with planning of the of the new facilities or existing facilities right. so all that piece all of those things are very applicable to mm -hmm. multifamily syndications so being a general partner you get, you're going to deal with contracts as uh, with doing like main, uh, maintenance contracts uh -huh. or small renovation projects or like the trash collection the mm -hmm. you know all those types of things so that helps in asset management as well. And then asset management itself, dealing with people, you learn that in the Navy as well, because you're doing leadership. Well, the whole time I'm doing leadership. And most of my career in the Navy wasn't, I was working with contractors and civilian employees that weren't federal employees, basically, that were not oh. military. So right. 
that sometimes I was in a unit with military unit, but that was rare for me, actually. Most of the time I was with working with federal employees. Oh, you're working with civilians then. Yeah. Civilian so you have a role that was more external, not just within the military only staff. Yeah, that's right. kind of unique that you did. You your your job was really mostly exposure to people outside of the military. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's super relatable. Everything you talked about, asset management, all the other, the herding all the cats to make a deal work. It's the exact same thing that you have 25 years of experience doing. Yeah. Very relatable. Let's talk a little bit about um, the different, within multifamily, the different asset classes within multifamily, how people can kind of diversify. Yeah, so most of my general part, most of my focus on commercial real estate has been multifamily. Have I, have I thought about other things? Yeah, possibly, you know, sell storage or industrial or something like that. But right now, focused on multifamily. And I decided early on that I, what I wanted to do was test as a as a passive investor. I wanted to kind of test different markets and different operators to understand them. Because at that point, I didn't really have a go to operator. And so I also wanted to test the different asset classes. So a, a class C or class D are going to require a lot of turnaround. They're going to be harder to. They're going to have less occupancy. Yeah. They're going to be harder to to do renovate. They're going to require more renovations. And just turnaround takes a lot longer. Yeah. Um, and class B is kind of the middle ground. You you have it's a pretty relatively new property, but you want to do some light renovations to bring it up to standards, right? Bring it up to today's type mm-hmm. uh, finishes and all that. And class A is a usually a brand new facility that is pretty nice, really. Right, right. <laughs> you, you can definitely see yourself living there, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I, what I wanted to do was, and I think it's smart to do, is you, you if you're investing in a lot of different multifamily uh, properties, it's probably good to do some in class C where you might have better returns, but they might be more risk involved. But you're... Your percent, your return might be better in the long run right. if the operator does correct correctly, and the class B is kind of the middle ground again, and the class A is more. Sta- it's definitely stabilized. The occupancy is good. You got a really mm-hmm. high high pay and tenant base probably, um, but your your cash flow is you're getting more cash flow there than and less about appreciation. Certainly not value add as right. much. Uh, a value add renovation is what we call it for class C or class B properties. So I try to, I, what I do with my investors is I try to, it's the same thing I do is I want to mm-hmm. have two or three in each one of those categories, right? I want to invest in different properties on each one of those categories. So I have a good mix. That, that's a really good strategy. I mean, if you, even within an asset class, you can diversify because right, the class A's, we know we have friends that do class A's that, the upside isn't huge when you sell it. You're gonna, but you're gonna cash flow on day one. You're gonna get those distribution quarterly distribution checks pretty much in the first quarter, but you don't get the big value add that we do in our class. You know, B, C pluses that when we sell it, we usually double our investors' money. So I think that's a really good point as an investor. First off, get out of Wall Street, at least some of your assets, some of your money out of Wall Street. And then right. even within real estate, I do the same thing. I'm, I'm in all sorts of different asset classes, entitlements, raw lands, new development stuff that I passively invest as well in just because I want to diversify my portfolio. But I, in the essence, I really believe in real estate, just like you do, Marshall. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you have a track, you're 
family's proven this is a really way to be successful and grow there's, generational wealth. Yeah, there's so many ways to to benefit from real estate. You know, you got your your quarterly cash flow or monthly cash flow, but you also got your appreciation. You have your tax benefits. I mean, you can go on yep. and on. Yep. So, what markets are you liking right now? Because we talked about the different A, Bs, and Cs. Like, what markets are you most interested in? Well, I just recently moved back to North Carolina where I grew up, okay. and I like the Raleigh and the Charlotte and Greensboro markets. So, I am definitely looking in those areas right now. Uh, but I don't have, I, I, I used, to, my fir very first investment was in Raleigh. It basically doubled into doubled my investment in two years. Wow. So it was a class B property. Um, it was in the right timing of the market, obviously, but you know, it's hard to do that quick most of the time, but, uh, I was very fortunate with that. So I have had investments in, in North Carolina before, but now I don't have any. So I'm looking for that. I also like, I like Florida. I've had, I've liked Florida in the past. Now it's kind of, and maybe it's becoming more difficult. You, you've got, we got to figure out the insurance because the insurance has kind of gone yes. crazy there with the hurricane Ian coming through the last year, um, mm -hmm. causing a lot of ripple effects. Um, and then I, I like, I still like Texas and Arizona markets. I mean, on Phoenix particularly, those are always good markets. Did you have any challenging, you know, maybe some of the that you passively invested in any challenges that that you've encountered that maybe you could help other people avoid in the future? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, if you, if you invest a lot in real estate or in the or in other things that uh, investments, you got to really understand what you're investing in. And there's some hidden there's sometimes there's some things that maybe you're rare, but they might, the markets might change and something will happen. Right. So, you know, with the rising interest rates, that has caused a lot of impacts with multifamily uh, investments. And so there's got to be, when you're investing with an operator or, uh, uh, yeah, with an operator, you got to make sure the operator has a plan to plan for those contingencies, right? You got to right. make sure that they right. can handle they have some kind of a little bit of contingency fund or or some deep pockets where they can overcome some of the the rare occasions that might happen yeah yeah that you you need to look at all the partners too particularly the asset manager that's the person that's going to be running the show but you're right all are all the players really strong because that's critical if things go sideways because there's things you don't can't control like you said the extreme weather in florida or whatever some some economic event that nobody knew was going to happen. It really you need to have that that strong track record of somebody that really knows what they're doing. That's really right. Cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm invested in five different properties in Florida. None of them were really hit with by hurt by the hurricane. Good. But all of them, because they're in Florida, they're going to increase in in uh, insurance. And not only in Florida, that's that's causing ripple effects to other places too. Even the one of the properties I'm in Texas, they're trying to increase the the insurance by a lot, you know, by way too much in my mind. Yeah, yeah. We're we're seeing that. That's gonna, you know, interest rates and then insurance is your two biggest expenses in running a large multifamily apartment complex. So yeah, those and those, both of those are not doing great at the moment. You're right. So yeah. that being said, like so what's your kind of you know, Marshall's outlook, you know, for the rest of the year type thing, you know, based on what you, the content you've consumed and your, your expertise, just 
your personal opinion? What what do you think is going on with the market in it? Well, I think that I think we're really at a decision point on what the Fed wants to do with their interest rates, right? Um, they they've seen how it's impacted there. We had a couple of bank failures over the last week. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of causing some concerns. And so there's got to be some kind of decision on that. I, I don't think they're going to keep ratcheting up the interest rates based on because of the bank failures. I think there's going to be some hesitancy on doing that. Um, but I do think it's not going to go down anytime soon. So it's going to be it's going to be hard. Your interest rates still going to be a concern for the next year or so. Um, but I also think that if a deal, there's going to be a lot, of, there's a lot of deals on the market right now. And if a deal really pencils out really well, I want to be part of it because it's going to, because I want to always want to continue to uh, invest in real estate because you, you can make good money off of it. And even, even in a down market or a good market, you there's, there's, you've got to pencil out the right way, right? You, right. you have to look at your numbers. Right. So what would you say to the individuals? I've talked to a lot of investors as you do as well, that they're, they're all in cash preservation mode. They're afraid to, to invest in anything because they just want to hold on to it. Now we know that's not a really good idea. <laughs> okay. The off bank that fails and things like that, that aside, um, the fact is that your money is sitting and you're losing. If it's sitting in the bank anywhere, even if the bank is safe, you're, you're, you're losing anywhere from five to 10%, you know, with inflation, and everything else. What, what, what would the, uh, what would the reason being you'd give people to say, Hey, you know what, you should put some of that stuff in real estate. What do you I think? Uh, I think that, like I said, some people are going to have to sell their property. So there's going to be opportunities over the next six, six to nine months of buying into a, a good asset that is at a right, good price. <laughs> so I think, but if you're going to do that, you got to think about, is it, are you, if it's going to be a variable interest rate, are you going to have a rate cap and make sure that the, cop, the operator is going to have a rate cap? Um, otherwise, you or you want to go into a fixed rate term. And if the numbers work for those two, then that's going to be a good deal for you. Uh, it should be a good deal for you. Um, the the one thing I think because you don't you want to take away you want to have certainty as an investor, right? Yes. You want to trust that things are going to happen. That, they're, that they've taken care of, they've thought about the interest rate issue and you want to have certainty as an investor so that you're not um, a month into it, the interest rates go up and you're still, right. you, your prices, your your mortgage goes back up, you know? So yeah. that's not going to be good for you, but um, definitely uh, I, I would talk to operators, make sure you ask those hard questions, you know? Yes, yes. You mentioned the word rate cap, and I don't think I've talked about it on the show. So go ahead and explain that really quick, <laughs> what that is, so people know. Basically, rate cap is insurance that you can keep your interest rate at a certain level, so that if the if the Fed does raise interest rates a lot, which they did last year, then you're protected as an investor or as an owner. You're you have better protection. Yep. So basically, it's insurance for for your interest rate. And then years ago, um, it, you would pay whatever forty or fifty thousand dollars for a rate cap to say, okay, I'm I've got a loan at three point five percent. It can't go over four and a half or whatever. You, and it was pretty reasonable. Let's say forty thousand dollars. That same forty thousand dollar rate cap now is like hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
because of the uncertainty in the economy and things like that. Those are the things that are impacting um, deals and how we can pencil and it's harder to make a deal work. But as long as you're doing the right thing and you factor all those expenses in, it's fine. If it still works, you put in your extra 100,000 or so for the rate cap, you're great. Those are questions you should ask as a, as a passive investor too. That's exactly because an extra hundred thousand is not going to be a lot when you when you look over a five year six year period yeah. of holding. It's not going to be that much, but it's worth having the peace of mind of having yes. insurance on that. Yep, yep. And when you're buying a you know a thirty forty million dollar property, it's really it's not a significant number. It seems like it's you and I as a personal out of your bank account, but when you have a big business in an apartment complex, is a business its own business entity it's really not that big of an expense, but the protection is so great, you know, to have that, you know, you can't, your rate can't go higher than a, a certain point. So good. Okay. Like you brought that up. That's something we never <laughs> talked about. Okay. Well, are you ready for the lightning round, Marshall? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. These are tough ones. Is there There's some lightning good. out here? It's sunny <laughs> here though. <laughs> It's it's fast. It's not. There's no cloud. There's no participation expecting. Okay, number one, first question, and this is gonna be interesting because you're from a big family. Um, what was your nickname as a child? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was seven of eight, so I was the youngest boy. We had four boys, four girls. I was the youngest boy. You know, my name is since my name is Marshall. It's kind of unique anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of nicknames in school or anything, but. I guess within my family, my nephews would call me Marshmallow <laughs> for one thing. Uh, I think another one was Gunsmoke was very popular when I was growing up. And there was a Marshall Dillon on I that. knew you were going to say Marshall <laughs> Dillon, yes. So I've, I've had both of those nicknames. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's fun. I knew, with a family that large, you you know you're going to have one because it's just, it's just, it just happens. Oh, yeah. We definitely had nicknames for each other. <laughs> Okay, number two, a morning person or night owl? Oh, I'm definitely a morning person. I used to even, when I, even when I was five years old, I used to get up at five, ready to go hit the swimming pool, <laughs> trying to get my mom to get take me to the backyard to go swimming. <laughs> so, yeah, I've carried that on until I, I still get up, you know, six or seven in the morning right now, even though. Being, being in the military, didn't you have to anyway? So it was great that you already had that predisposition. Yeah, in the military, definitely. We would start early. Sometimes we'd have, you know, PT at seven o'clock or or six o'clock, even sometimes, sometimes different units. But yeah, yeah, we definitely had, it's definitely a morning um, type of business in the military. You're you're blessed to have that in your DNA. That's great. (laughs) Number three, what would be the first thing you do if you won the lottery? Oh my goodness. I, I tell you, if it's a well, first of all, you know, I'm going to, I'm good at, I like my financial planning myself. Uh, so I do a lot of financial planning myself, but um, I would say I always think it's important to tithe. And so I would give 10% or, or some amount, I, you know, I think about that pretty hard uh, to God and let, you know, for his work. Uh, so that's the first thing I do, I think. Excellent. That's great. Number four, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? You know, I was stationed in Italy when I was uh, in the military, in Sicily. I don't know if I'd maybe not live in Sicily, but I would live somewhere in Italy on a beach and be able to access the train and travel 
as much as I could in Italy and, you know, eat, eat the really good food in Italy. I loved it. And gelato. <laughs> oh my gosh. Gelato is my favorite. Yes. Yes. And I want to come visit and stay in your guest house on like every summer if I can. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's really good. Italy is awesome. I agree. And number five, what's the one piece of advice you would give to new investors to help them get better returns? One key nugget to a new investor. I think, uh, you know, I think I like the diversification of different asset classes, first of all, but I think we said that one already, so I can't use that one. But I would definitely uh, get to know the operator. Make sure you have faith in the operator so that uh, they can um, work. They're going to work hard. They're going to stay with it because sometimes deals can come be, get very difficult. So yes. you want to be able to have an, you want to have trust in the operator that they're going to stay with it and make it work and make, make the return on investment. I would agree. That's the key thing. And they say that, you know, uh, a, a good operator can make a bad deal good, but a bad operator can make a good deal bad. And that's just <laughs> what you said is like, you really got to, that person, if they're good, they're going to be able to weather the storms and, and pull it out if something sideways goes on you out there. Good. Great advice. Great advice. So, Marshall, how can people get a hold of you to learn more about well, what you do? Yeah, they can certainly uh, reach out to me on my website, Capitano Investing Group, where they can download a free resource there that helps them. Uh, it's the five investment, my top five investment criteria for investing in multifamily. They can get that free resource there and link in with me there. But they also can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Excellent. Outstanding. And that information will be in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Marshall. It's wonderful to hear your story. You're doing great things and will continue to, I know. Matt, it was a pleasure being here. You make me uh, be able to talk with ease. Appreciate all your comments. You bet. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Better Returns brought to you by Hanson Holdings. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review because it helps others discover this valuable content. If you would like to earn truly hands-off passive income, go to HansonHoldings.com where we help you invest in large apartment complexes to grow your family's wealth. See you next week with another awesome episode. Have a great day.